0: Welcome back to Screen Time. I'm Rokhan. And I'm Richard Roper. Concerts are coming to a stadium near you. Will you be enjoying them <laughs> this summer into the fall? I've been
1: holding my Bic lighter up during this introduction. I won't do that iPhone thing with the phony candle oh, thing or sure. lighter thing, and it's starting to burn the edge of my thumb here, so let's get to it.
0: That was the dumbest thing about the Bic lighter oh, was yeah. that turny knob deal oh, yeah. would get so super hot. Oh, oh that there. hurts. Oh, wait, hold on. That hurts. Play your song again. That hurts, Elton John. <laughs> you
1: know, the other rule about the big lighter was no matter what the reason... Or circumstances where if you lent it out to someone, you were never getting it back.
0: (laughs) That's really true. All right. Let me just tell you about our fine sponsor and co-producers, AmericanEagle.com. The digital landscape is changing rapidly. And to compete in today's business environment, you need an experienced partner. And since 1995, AmericanEagle.com has been exactly that. They've helped companies of all sizes, offering web design, development, e-commerce, mobile apps, digital marketing, all to drive your business success because they believe today's online world is your opportunity. Visit AmericanEagle.com to get started today. So Genesis has just announced a return to North America. I'm more shocked that they have announced a return to the stage. Genesis, what is the genesis of this story?
1: We have it for you. You're right. They're going to reunite. Now, when we're talking about Genesis, it goes all the way back to Peter Gabriel, was Mm -hmm. the original lead guy for genesis the guy by the name of phil collins was the drummer but Gabriel left the band in 1975 and then Phil Collins went front and center and they kind of, they were prog rock we used to call, right? Progressive rock. Yep. All those kinds of, there was always a lot of references to medieval times and (laughs) jesters and and courtships and triple albums with lyrics and songs that would go on for 20 minutes. I'm a big Genesis fan though. I I love them. A lot of of electronic
0: music. They had to find a way to justify all the synthesizers.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it was Phil Collins, Mike Rutherford, and Tony Banks then were the three members of Genesis. They have not gone, on tour in many 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 a year it's a reunion tour uh they're also going to be joined by phil collins's 20 year old son nick collins who will play drums because i'm sure phil will do some drumming but he'll be front and center and there seems to be some sort of music law rocon that a lot of legendary old-timey rock and roll singers and drummers have sons who then play drums, hmm. right? Uh, yeah. Zach Starkey, Ringo yes. Starr's son. The Who uh, drummer now. Uh, and then John Bonham. Jason Bonham. Uh, Jason Bonham, who's a great drummer. Mm-hmm. They do have the drumming
0: sons, don't they?
1: The drumming sons would actually be a good group, too.
0: Yeah. Okay, now what is so interesting about this for me mm-hmm. is Phil Collins, who I adore. I saw Genesis when they were just the three, and then there were three. That was the name of that album oh, yeah. that came out after... Mr. Gabriel decided he wanted to go in his own direction. He did okay, right? I mean, he he seemed to be fine. But Phil Collins also did very, very well as a solo act. So I saw him both in Genesis and as a solo act. Sure. And he he was just doing Susu Studio plus the Genesis catalog at the time. Yeah. Such great stage presence because Mm -hmm. the lead guy being a drummer is sometimes tough and awkward. You know, they had a little bit of that with the Eagles, but they worked it out because everybody did a little something. But when Phil Collins went out as Phil Collins... Being behind the drum kit the whole time is weird, but they figured yeah. out a way to stage that. They also figured out a way to get him out from behind it. Right. And he was a great concert performer. You never left a Phil Collins or a Genesis yeah. show feeling let
1: down. They'd get a great uh, brass section, uh, you know, yeah. top-of-the-line background singers. It was a real production. Right. Know, very tight.
0: However, Phil Collins was touring before the pandemic hit huh. and has apparently been in some ill health, or it certainly was on the tour yeah, and was having some problems completing the dates. He had some problems uh, with press when he was doing Mm. uh, press availability during the tour because he couldn't stand up. As a matter of fact, even in this promotional picture for the Genesis tour of North America in the fall of 2021, Mm -hmm. he's sitting in a chair. So it's going to be a very different look here. His health has not been perfect.
1: Well, he starts off the North American, it's called the Last Domino Tour. Um, It starts off in Chicago at the United Center with dates on the 15th and 16th of November. But yeah, I'm looking at this schedule row. It's pretty rigorous. I mean, it's, you know, then it's the 18th to Washington, D.C., two days later in Charlotte, back-to-back shows in Montreal, Toronto, Buffalo. There's not a lot of gaps. We've seen this with some of the, you know, acts that have been around for a very long time where they'll take two or three days off between shows. The Rolling Stones will do this now. They'll play two or three dates in a city and sell out on arenas, but then they'll go a week. And my God, when you see them in concert, as you and I did a couple of summers ago, the the energy of musicians in their 70s and 80s is remarkable. It's amazing that they can do one show, let alone two or three spread out over a weekend. So taking a week off, you can certainly understand that this is a a pretty... uh, Pretty rough uh, schedule. I hope they're able to con- you know continue through and do all the dates, and that Phil Collins will be able to do them.
0: Yeah, I hope so too. It is grueling under any circumstance, yeah, and yeah. you could tell that they're doing a combination of planes and buses for this tour. Wow, that's very very hard because sometimes it's easier just to move on the buses than it is on the plane. By going, even though it's private, you know, you're flying there, flying that. It's it, sometimes you just go, get on the bus, fall yeah. asleep, do your next tour sure. date, and there's. In the in the rock and roll carnival, they're used to that kind of thing, but at this age, mm. I worry about him. And at his level of health, I I I really hope he's able to get through this because he is yeah. such a dynamic performer. His daughter now is a gigantic Billie, film star, yeah, Lily yeah. Collins. Yeah. I mean, he's really having what could be a great moment in his life. You know, I'm rooting for him in some cases
1: you'll see someone go back on tour and it maybe because the money isn't there anymore. Phil Collins is fine. He's right. set for generations. But it's more I think, you know, the love of performing and in performing in front of huge crowds. These concert dates we mentioned, Roe, are all in basketball hockey type arenas. We're talking about, you know, Little Caesars Arena in Detroit, the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, Madison Square Garden in New York City. And these are all predicated on full capacity there's no talk here of oh we're going to have five thousand it's going to be social distancing these are fall tour dates that will sell out in fact the prices already in some of these cities they're insane on the ticket broker site because these tickets are you know people are dying to get back out there and see live shows and i do love telling my phil collins story uh when i interviewed him some 30 years ago in new york city and i love pulling up i pulled up the article recently that I, that I the profile i had written because he was celebrating the birth of his daughter lily who was about a year and a half at the time and uh, it's going on to be of course the star of emily in paris and Mank and so many other great things so you've know, been around a long time been rocking and rolling all these acts are going back are coming back rokan all your favorites are going to be back out there. (laughs) I mean, the the list goes on forever. But, you know, a lot of the big acts, whether it's uh, Lady Gaga, Rod Stewart, Elton John, Eagles, Aerosmith, Foo Fighters, they're all planning on coming back in 2021 later this year.
0: Well, okay. So Elton John, for example, sold an entire North American and European tour that he couldn't fulfill because Mm. of the pandemic. Right. So those tickets have already been sold. And he did not refund, at least in North America, he did not refund those dollars. Oh, So he owes us. We're still sitting on those tickets, Sir Elton. And I'm just hoping that he makes it because he's going to do, he's got 94 concerts that have been sold, 94 dates around the world that have been sold. And he has until January 28th of 2023 Hmm. to fulfill that. Now, let's just think about that. It's like when... You get a gigantic assignment in high school or college. (laughs) And by the end of the year, you're going to have to have this done. You know, you need a 100-page report or a blah, 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 blah. And from day one, you're thinking about, oh, my God, i got to get through that. How am I going to do it? His date is January twenty-eighth, 2023. It's a drop-dead date. I hope he doesn't drop dead before that date.
1: Oh, my gosh. The Yellow Brick Road could have a few missing bricks by then.
0: The Uh, Eagles are coming back. I find this to be very interesting uh, because, you know, obviously – It's a reconfiguration of the Eagles. Vince Gill is now a member of the Eagles. If you've never seen Vince Gill with the Eagles or with doing a a show on his own or the Time Jumpers, which is one of my favorite acts of any time, any place, anywhere, where he just sits in. Vince Gill is a guy who, once he is back there, he becomes the backbone of the music of it. You know, he's he's just an unassuming human now. He doesn't wow. like to be out yeah. there yeah. being the, the front guy. But, oh, my God, is he great with the Eagles.
1: It's an incredible array of entertainers that have announced late 2021 or early 22 dates. And I wonder too, though, Ro, if there's going to be some music fatigue and also a financial strain on the concert goers. There's only so many people. I mean, there's millions of us who want to go. But I don't know if I've ever seen a period of time where so many acts were going to, you know, it's kind of a cyclical thing. You're like, okay, this year. Uh, Duran Duran is reuniting, or Pearl Jam is going to be doing a bunch of live shows, or Snoop Dogg is going back out there. All these names I'm mentioning, by the way, have announced tour dates. Then it's Green Day, Post Malone, ZZ Top, uh, Judas Priest. How about that? But right now okay. they should be All Judas right. Pope. I mean, All come right. on. How can, long I you just, in- <laughs> can I just
0: say that the real money now, because of streaming, is not in sitting in the studio no, and no. putting out an album or a cassette, there's no way to make money in that the way that they used to be able to make money in it. There are, however, other ways that they could do it. They could sell their catalogs. A lot of these artists have sold their catalogs to the distribution companies so that they can actually get some of the money recouped back to them. The only way for musical acts to really be making money right now is to be out doing tours. And these guys still spend like they were on tour. Absolutely true. So I think there is actually some financial stress here. Even Eric Clapton is coming back sometime later this year all the way to june of 2022 and eric clapton is you know he had a health problem too they said he was sure. never ever going to play guitar again yeah, because yeah. of a hand issue
1: well you make great points i mean uh, in the history of rock pop soul rap hip-hop music there have never been a tons of financial advice books written by the entertainers you know now some of that <laughs> here and there have made some great investments, right? Yeah, but eventually. but un- unfortunately, and as you mentioned too, that lifestyle, a lot, you know, we, we often read about some big rock star. You know, there are four ex-spouses, there are yeah. 17 kids, there are nine homes, there's a staff of you know several dozen. Mm-hmm. So even if they made millions on those, you know, seven gold records they had in the nineteen seventies, as you mentioned, they got to keep touring and i think that's probably the case in with with some of these some of these bands we're seeing in some cases i got to be honest i i didn't even know let alone touring that they were still with us engelbert Humperdinck will be on stage later this year there's another okay. guy
0: you better wait to the day of to buy the show oh my goodness how dare you too
1: soon <laughs> and the beach boys who are of course beach Grandpas now but if yeah. they, you know that that is a band and as you mentioned a lot of these groups there's new members they're, you know steely dan half of steely dan we lost right i mean but they're still going to continue to tour the eagles have lost glenn fry a founding member uh you know many many of these bands there are new lead singers or there's a new you know a new band member they've been around for a half century i, I do think my prediction and uh, i i don't say this with any ill will as that is that some of these tours are going to be truncated because there are only so many dollars that can go around and so many people who will go to these concerts. I I don't
0: know. What about you? Are you ready to go back and see live music? Oh, I am for sure. I love concerts, and I love the business of it. When I sit in a concert, half of my time, especially during the ballads I'm not interested in, if I'm not going out to get a beer or to go pee, I'm counting the money on the stage. I'm looking at the rigs that they've brought in. Yeah, it's fascinating. I'm looking at all of the mechanics around it, and I'm counting the dollars that they needed to take out of whatever stadium that is, whether it's United Center here or MetLife in New York yeah. or wherever they've got these like great indoor or outdoor places. I'm thinking, all right, how much money are each one of those guys on the stage getting? Obviously, the lead guys are getting a ton. And then the guys in the band, even things like the E Street band. I mean, those guys don't really make any money. That's the damnedest thing. Yeah. Band guys, as much as we know them and love them and get it, they're like salary players. Like Bruce gives them a check. Puts them on a payroll. They get it every two weeks, whether they like it or not, and that is it. It has nothing to do with what that show did that
1: night. And we do know this too that in certain cases too, a lot of these you know big stars, they know that they're supporting a a small economy that a lot of people are going to make money, including their longtime fellow bandmates. And we hope they take good care of them. I'm with you though. I'm fascinated by all of that. A couple of years ago, Guns and Roses, remember they came back and they were playing outdoor arenas. So here in Chicago, they played Soldier Field, and I was lucky enough to get access through a friend of a friend to ride with them uh, on the bus that that drove into Soldier Field and went down the secret ramp where, you know, nobody even knows that that's the band arriving, and then you're in the bowels of Soldier Field, and you're backstage and all that great stuff, and then all of a sudden going on stage, but to see the Operation row, it was as if the Bears were playing. I mean, the the dozens upon dozens of people, the roadies and everybody else, as you mentioned, the technicians, and I know when you and I saw the Rolling Stones, you were up there going, okay, so that cost this much. (laughs) Now, that background singer, she's getting a nice chunk of change, but Charlie Watts yeah. is alive, so he still has to get paid. But you were like you know, I, analyzing the whole thing. It is it is this small economy that, that rolls into town right. and rakes in hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars that then get distributed all over the place as well.
0: In many of my varied professional experiences, there was a time when I was putting together, producing uh, musical events and concert-style events, and it's always about the economics of it. And yeah. th- there's a lot of bands that kind of cheap out on it. And there's others who just overspend. Yeah. Roger Waters is an excellent example of that. I mean, he spent gazillions of dollars on that wall for the wall. Yeah. Right? It's not like somebody else bought that. He had to buy that. He has to he has to transport that all over the world and he's charging a lot of money for that, but it's it took years for that thing to break even yeah, yeah. before he was done with it because it is such an amazing. That by the way, if you have not seen The Wall with Roger Waters, you you like Pink Floyd, or you like Roger Waters, you mm. must go see that show. It is a life changer there's very few shows you can see now that are that is one of them
1: that's interesting too because I remember you know this is now goes back you know a generation ago but when bands such as the Rolling Stones first started accepting corporate sponsorship there was all this talk about how they sold out I'm like all bands sold out the minute they signed a contract. They're they're in it to make money, and to meet <laughs> chicks or meet guys, whatever the case may be. But remember, right. there was like a five million dollar corporate sponsorship, and the the banners of the credit card company or whatever would be up in the background. Now, of course, that's you know a big deal. They they gladly announce it. Hey, I'm partnering with Pepsi. You know they wanted they want that corporate sponsorship. Do you
0: realize? Speaking of dollars, mm. so the Eagles, whenever it was the uh, Health over, over tour yeah. in the 1990s. And the tickets were $230 apiece for, like, the worst tickets in the house. Wow. And there was this hue and cry. Oh, my God, I can't believe. Look at how they're catching Who's going to go see that? Well, that sold out, sold out, sold out, sold out. Because at that point, the average ticket price in America, Richard Roper, hmm. take a guess of what it was.
1: $75.
0: $33 was the really? average ticket price for a concert so at they, that they moment ate, when they announced. It. they yes.
1: quintupled it, if you will.
0: Now, wow. And there was a lot of bands that were, you know, Not worth the $33 that we're out doing that. But that was the average ticket price for a stadium concert. This changed the entire economy, and these guys got richer and richer and richer. Because they actually, at that point, even started to have to do that because the digital revolution was right in front of them. And they realized they were going to lose the rights. You know, Napster and other products like that had come out, were starting to come out. And basically, just, you know, file sharing the music, and then they were like, hey, what, what about my record sales? What about my unit sales? What about all that? And, you know, singles, all the rest of it. They had to figure out a way to change that. And the concerts did it, and that's why they became bigger and crazier. And there are some bands that you'll go see, major name bands, that you go, oh, my God, It's like they're phoning in this stage show. It should yeah, be big yeah. and gigantic. And then smaller bands made their bones by being more theatrical.
1: Well, that's why I always gave a lot of credit to to the pop singers who might not be the most talented vocalists, in some cases really don't write their own music, but if you look at Janet Jackson and Britney Spears and, and those types of pop singers, they knew and their teams knew early on, we're going to put on some lavish-ass spectacle stuff. Right. We're going to get Broadway dancers. We're going to have Vegas. Well, and they would play in Vegas, and that yeah. continues to happen to this day because it's like you don't really need to care that much about whether or not they're singing or lip-syncing because they're dancing, they're giving you spectacle, and the young fans, the youngsters, if you will, they, that's <laughs> that's what they're looking for. But you got your money's worth one way or another with those shows as well.
0: The biggest surprise in this, not only... Engelbert Humperdinck, but Tom Jones is coming out. I was not aware that Tom Jones was still with us, let alone going to be Uh, out on tour. We got to interview him. I absolutely... Thought to myself, oh God, Tom Jones. I'm not going to say to Tom Jones. What a brilliant and interesting dude he is. And he still can put on a show.
1: He just recently charted again, and it might be the record now for the longest, you know, duration, because I think his first you know hit was in probably '66 or something. Oh, I like think that. even earlier than that. Yeah, yeah, maybe even earlier than that when he was doing all those hipster, you know, it's not unusual in all those songs in the 60s. And now nearly 60 years later is still out there and he looks great and sounds great and you know i don't know if anybody's throwing panties but they might have them i don't know overnighted via you know, <laughs> no. oh my god you know, you know if you throw the
0: depends make sure they're uh, not heavy too soon. that is what i am uh, going soon. to suggest to his fans wow Right around the corner, the Thursday 3 and what not to watch. But first, let me tell you about something else you can do with your money. You can order from Portillo's. Wherever you are in the United States of America, Portillo's is a Chicago favorite. Famous for their hot dogs, the freshest, tastiest ingredients, right down to the poppy seed bun. And of course, their legendary chocolate cake. And I think if you're going to order from anywhere around the United States, the chocolate cake is where you start. You can also get some of the stuff that they can freeze-pack for you, which is just amazing stuff as well. But start with the chocolate cake because the chocolate cake is a secret recipe. People have been trying mm. to reverse-engineer this as much as they have the Colonel and his spices. Wow! This is as much a mystery as that because when you have it, you'll say to yourself, this is the best chocolate cake I've ever had in my life, and I guarantee that. Order this because you will then thank me and Richard for everything for the rest of your life. Trust me on this. Portillo's available throughout the Midwest, Florida, California, and Arizona. Order for curbside pickup or delivery today or ship Portillo's anywhere in the United States of America at portillos.com. P-O-R-T-I-L-L-O-S.com. What should we not be watching this weekend? Ah,
1: this is another disappointing Netflix sitcom, row. We've talked in the past about this. You know, there was a Kevin James vehicle that came out a couple of months ago. Netflix does all those great documentary series and original films and streaming shows, but they're they're also doing these kind of old-school Sitcoms. I mentioned Kevin James. Jamie Foxx has one. They do very well because they're comfort viewing. Now, the latest is called The Upshaws. This is about a working class African American family in Indiana trying to make a go of it. Uh, Wonderful cast. You've got Wanda Sykes, who is the co creator of the show. Uh, Kim Fields sitcom veteran Mm -hmm. Mike Epps they're all related in one way or another but I mean five minutes into it you're like this is such a dated seeming show with the laugh track and the the old-fashioned kind of camera work it's not terrible it's just nothing I would recommend anybody I guess if you're just looking for something to fall asleep to that feels familiar the Upshaws but I say you can skip you could not watch the Upshaws Netflix all right Got another one from Netflix for you. Uh-oh. Now, this one. They were
0: on such a roll. Oh,
1: they'll be fine. <laughs> uh, I, I will say this about The Woman in the Window. Now, this is a feature film, but it's a Netflix original, so you're going to be able to watch it on Netflix. And I know you're a huge fan of Alfred Hitchcock and Rear Window, which is a great film with Jimmy mm-hmm. Stewart, right? He plays the photographer who's got, what, the broken leg? Yeah, right? he,
0: was, uh, he was covering the Indianapolis 500, uh-huh. and a tire hit him in his legs.
1: So he's now laid up and he's seeing goings-on happening across the courtyard right? Yes. In, the, in this apartment complex. So this is a, an obvious homage to that. They even have a little brief glimpse of a clip from Rear Window in The Woman in the Window. Now, road the cast of this movie is incredible. Amy Adams plays a psychologist. She's got agoraphobia. So no tire hit her and broke her leg. But she can't leave her apartment in New York City because she's afraid to go outside after this terrible tragedy that happened to her. Now, across the street, in the apartment across the street, who moves in? Academy Award winner Gary Oldman and his family, <laughs> which also seems to include Academy Award winner Julianne Moore. Oh. And she starts seeing crazy stuff going on there. She thinks she might even have witnessed a murder. But here's the thing. Amy Adams, she's on the meds. Yeah. That you're not supposed to mix with the wine. Oh, yeah. So she's having some hallucinations. Then she's got a tenant who lives in the basement of her apartment. That guy's bad news and he might be involved in the murder. So there's all kinds of this crazy goings on. It is filmed in this like horror movie style. It's always raining and there's flashes of lightning and the power goes out. She seems to think she saw something and then she didn't. And then the cops get summoned and they're like they're all looking at her like, uh huh, yeah, that's what you saw. Okay. And then all of a sudden, Jennifer Jason Leigh shows up and she says Julianne Moore's not married to Gary Oldman. I am. You just made up (laughs) Julianne Moore. It is so incredibly bad. And I love Amy Adams, but I got to tell you, man, it is not going to be her next Academy Award nomination. uh, It is really, really, really bad. But if you have a nice bottle of wine Mm -hmm. and you want to talk back to the screen. It's one of those movies. It's called "The Woman in the Window." It's definitely going to be on my list of the worst movies of
0: 2021. Oh yeah. man! Yeah. Oh already, and it's only oh, sure. May. Oh,
1: oh, it's got a place of honor already. <laughs> Probably in the bottom five.
0: Oh man, that's that is one of my favorite things you do every year. <laughs> yeah, so, I don't want I don't want to wish away the summer, but I can't wait to hear yeah. what that's all about. Okay, time for the Thursday. Three three things you should be seeing this weekend.
1: And I want to start off with one that is a, a recommendation to all our loyal podcast listeners. But, Ro, I know you're going to love this as well. It's called Hacks. It's a half-hour show. We just talked about how the sitcom is trying to make a comeback via Netflix. But this is the kind of 25 minutes or so per episode comedy that's a filmed comedy and is brilliant. It's called Hacks, HBO, HBO Max. The great Gene Smart plays a Vegas legend of a certain age mm. who has a residency at a casino hotel there, uh, sells jewelry on a home shopping type uh, network, uh-huh. uh, had some revolutionary attempts at being a late night talk show host in the 70s, uh, has a grown daughter who uh-huh. can't escape from her shadow, but she's not Joan Rivers. <laughs> Although you can see the inspiration there. Basically, you know how Marvelous Mrs. Maisel reminded everybody and is seemingly inspired in part by early Joan Rivers. This is clearly inspired by late career Joan Rivers. But Jean Smart is playing a wholly original character. uh, And the problem is she's still doing jokes about the Challenger and how men leave the toilet seat up. So she gets paired with a young comic writer who's going to update her act. And it's all about their relationship And this is really cool. The young writer is played by a relatively unknown stand-up comic. Her name is Hannah Einbinder, Hannah Einbinder. And if her mannerisms and speech cadences seem a little bit familiar to folks, her mother is Lorraine Newman. One of the original oh. SNL greats. Wow. This is her daughter who's great. And it's kind of perfect because we don't know her. So, you know, we we just accept her kind of playing a version of herself. And the clash between the two generations and how funny they are. Of course, they hate each other. But they're so funny <laughs> riffing off each other that they finally start to realize, wait a minute. You can help my career and I can help yours. And the young writer in a very timely uh, plot development the reason she's taking this job working for this hack who she thinks is a hack who's mm-hmm. actually a legend is because she tweeted a joke about a closeted senator that did not go well so she's been canceled by most of los angeles <laughs> so she's sent to vegas to work with gene smart's character i mean Ro, it is one of those series that 5 minutes in you're like this is freaking Hilarious. It's awesome. smart. It's knowing. Uh, it's, it's insightful. It's funny. Uh, Christopher McDonald, we just talked about him last week. Of course, he was the shooter, the villain in Happy Gilmore. He right. plays the oily, wealthy owner of the casino, and he's
0: perfect for he that does. role. Yeah. yeah. Oh, very kind God. of
1: very kind of Steve wynn esque type of guy who's got all the money in the world. And he wants to kind of shove aside Gene Smart's character and bring in a techno band that just won like America's Got Talent. Because he'll get the younger <laughs> people in on that. So I love that. Thanks. Hacks HBO HBO Max. Okay? okay, now on Netflix, there's an original movie called Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. Zack Snyder, of course, did 300. Just did his recut of the Justice League. This is his zombie apocalypse movie, also set in Vegas. And I love this. I love this setup too, Rob, because okay, so there's been a zombie apocalypse, and Las Vegas has been run over by zombies. But the government has figured out a way to kind of wall them in. So that's the only place where the zombies are, right? So this super wealthy casino owner businessman guy approaches Dave Bautista. He's that big giant guy from Guardians of the Galaxy and Stuber and all that stuff and says, you know, you're a mercenary. You hire a crew. There's $200 million in cash underneath one of the casinos in a vault in the middle of apocalypse zombie land right now. So it's basically Oceans of Blood 11. (laughs) It is one of the most violent movies you will ever see because it's Zack Snyder. So these zombies, the killings, the splattering, the entrails, the things you see. It's the one thing that gets me. Oh, oh, well, you, you better... Do not drink or eat anything. No lasagna while watching oh, Army of the Dead. now you've ruined lasagna uh, for but, me. But I am willing to go on record and saying this is the nomad land of zombie apocalypse Vegas heist movies, okay? All right. Finally. All right. Yeah. Now, this is something that I got to tell you. I know a lot of people are going to say, wow, that sounds really heavy. And it is. It is also brilliant, brilliant on every level. It's called The Underground Railroad. This is a 10-part fictionalized series about The Underground Railroad freeing the slave movement of the mid 19th century this is an amazon prime video original series and row 10 parts i mean it's heavy stuff i mean it's highly stylized you know they actually have well before there was anything approaching a real underground railroad there's a train that, that rolls underground and there's all kinds of crazy things that happen the creator of this show is Barry Jenkins of Moonlight fame and he directed all the episodes and each episode's about 45 minutes long and it goes from state to state we're in Georgia North Carolina Indiana which have various states have different approaches to slavery in some cases we're getting close to abolitionists in other cases it's not that at all some states and some communities are saying they're you know trying to help the black man and woman but they're not really So this is kind of a horror film in a lot of ways. I mean, there are some inspirational moments. I know a lot of people are going to say, man, I don't know if I want to sit through that. I would say this. You do not binge watch this show, even though I believe they're going to make all 10 episodes available very quickly. I think it should be watched from week to week. Absorb each episode in its entirety. It's like watching an Oscar-quality film with each episode. Don't watch all 10 in a row. That's too much for anyone. But it's called The Underground Railroad Prime Video.
0: Wow. All right, the Rowan Roper podcast is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. AmericanEagle.com is a full-service global digital agency providing best-in-class web design, development, hosting, digital marketing services, and so much more. Visit AmericanEagle.com for more information. Executive Producers for Screen Time with Rowan Roper, Renee Nelson and Tim Alenius. Music and Production Director, Brian Altimer. See you next time.